Hey everybody, this is Clint. I'm so sorry that it's taken me so long to get to another podcast. Um, yeah, life has just caught up with me the last month or so, and I just have not been able to get to it. And um, been taking care of my family and other things, and I hope you forgive me for that. Today, I want to talk about something that's near and dear to all of us, whether you recognize that or not. And the things I want to talk about today are boundaries and limits. Now, you hear a therapist, and you probably have friends and pastors and people you know that tell you all the time you got to have good boundaries set your limits good boundaries and limits now have good boundaries and limits and i really believe that most of us have no idea what that means that that's a very difficult task for us um, one because like i said we don't really know what that means and two uh, because we are kind-hearted compassionate people and it's hard for us to tell somebody no. It's hard for us to look at people and say, um, no, we can't do that. So today, quickly in the next 20 minutes, I want to explain to you what boundaries and limits are and also how um, you can be assertive in your behavior and still care for people. So let's dive into that right away. Now, where I usually start with people is I give you a definition of boundaries and limits because so we all start with the same place the same definition with the same understanding because we all have different definitions for that but here's my definition if you can imagine for a second if we're both standing in a room or you're standing in a room with another person and I was to draw a circle around you and I was to draw a circle around me or the other person so I got two people standing inside let's say you're standing inside hula hoops or drawing a circle around you Inside that hula hoop or inside that circle is what you think, what you believe, um, what you like, what you don't like, all the things that make you you. Um, inside the other person's hula hoop or circle is what they like, what they don't like, what they believe, what they don't believe, um, everything that makes them them. And boundaries is that. It's simply saying, hey, we recognize we are two distinct, separate individuals. And these, bound, these boundaries, they don't touch. We stay a distance from each other. You know, those hula hoops, those circles don't touch each other. And we recognize we're two separate different people. That if we watch something happen, we're standing on the street corner and we saw an incident happen across the street, we would walk away probably with two different opinions about what happened, focusing on the different things about that event that just happened out there. Because we're two different people and different things are important to us. And that is boundaries. There are things that are just more important to me than you, things I believe I think that are different from me than you. Limits is, imagine those circles or those hula hoops as you guys walk closer together <clears throat> starting to touch or even those hula hoops starting to cross over so you guys got closer and closer and so you've got two circles that kind of look interconnected. What we call this is you're crossing boundaries or crossing limits. And what should happen in life is these boundaries shouldn't touch each other and they shouldn't cross over. And we call that keeping limits. Now, how I say it to people is um, <clears throat> what we typically usually do is because somebody in their hula hoop or in their circle is feeling angry or mad or afraid or scared or worried. <clears throat> what we typically do is feel responsible for that. So our hula hoop or circle crosses over into theirs and we take responsibility and we say, oh, it must be me and it must be my fault. My usual typical example, not that this happens, it doesn't happen at all, but it's a good example because we all kind of can relate to it, is if I came home today after work and my wife is mad and frustrated and upset, she left for work this morning at 
7 a.m. She has to teach two classes at, uh, at, at the college. I haven't seen her all day. She walks in the door at 5 o'clock. She's upset. Hey, can you take care of Grayson? Can you take care of this? Hey, the dog. Oh, can come here. And she just yells and gets mad at me. And I haven't been there all day. I don't know what's inside her hula hoop, inside her boundaries, what's affected her, who made her mad, who made her happy. I have no idea what she believes and thinks about the world at that moment. But as soon as I start telling myself, oh my gosh, this is my fault. I'm a terrible husband. I should do this. I should do better. Oh, I never get anything right. Oh, she's always mad at me. I've crossed limits. I've crossed into her world and I'm taking responsibility. If you think of those two circles laying over top of each other now, I'm taking responsibility for something that is not mine. I haven't been there all day with her. There's no way I can be responsible for any of that stuff that's going on with her or her for me if I come home mad and angry and I'm upset and she wants to take responsibility for me about it. This is what we call crossing limits. At some point, I'm taking responsibility for things that aren't mine. I'm not keeping my limits straight. And that's simply what boundaries limits are. And most of us think, oh, yeah, but Clint, we got to help people. And if you're a Christian or if you're spiritual in some way or, you know, you've got to be able to care and help and take care of people. So we got to cross limits sometimes. we got to make sure people are okay. We can't let them just be responsible for how they feel or how they think. <clears throat> and I tell people all the time, no, that's not correct. That there are four different ways in which we interact with people. So you may want to write these down or take, jot notes on this. Those four ways are, one, people are passive. Passive people tend to tell themselves, whether they recognize it or not, hey, your needs, your what's inside your hula hoop, your needs are more important than my needs. So what happens is when you ask me for something, you need something from me, you have a need, guess what? I set my needs aside to make sure your needs are met. You ever done that? What that means is, my example is, my best friend is a <clears throat> therapist in Marietta. He has his own private practice there. If he called me today and said, oh, Clint, it's the end of the month. October 1st is Thursday, and I forgot my lease is up in my office. I've been so busy, I haven't been able to ask anybody to help me. Can you come help me move my office? If I'm a passive person, you know what I'm going to do? That's right, I'm going to go help him. No matter what's going on in my world, what's happening in my life, no matter what's going on, I'm going to set all my needs aside, and, things are, and I'm going to go help him. The problem with that is if I'm a passive person, I, sooner or later I feel taken advantage of. I'm always saying yes to everybody else, and eventually I feel angry, resentful, upset, mad at the world because when is it my turn? When do I get to take time for me? When does somebody say yes to me? When do I get my needs met? So that turns us into what we call passive-aggressive people. The second way we, do, we, we communicate or deal with people. And passive-aggressive people? You know, the same scenario, my friend calls me, asks me to help him move on the phone. I say, yeah, sure, man, I'll help you move, no problem. I hang up the phone. I say to myself, there's no way I can help him move. i got too much things going on. But because I don't like conflict, I don't want to get him upset and mad at me, and I'm responsible for how he feels, you know, because I've crossed limits now, and it's my responsibility to make sure he's okay. I don't tell him that directly. What I do is, is the day of moving, I just don't show up. Or I show up really late. Or I show up and I put my hands in my pockets and I don't help move a stick of furniture. So this is my way, quote unquote, to tell him I didn't really want to do this without having to actually tell him I didn't really want to do this. Which is an awful way to be with people because I don't. I think I don't want to have to handle conflict and I don't want people mad at me. And Yeah, I know my needs are important, but I don't want anybody to get frustrated or disappoint them, so I do things like passive-aggressive stuff. 
We all know people who've done this, and we've done it too. And this is the worst way to be because at that point, I've left my friend in a bad position. He's counted on me. He hasn't called anybody else to help him. Now, he's in a bad position, and I look like a totally, completely untrustworthy person. All because I wasn't going to be honest with him and say, hey, man, I'm busy or I got this going on. So what he tells my friends and the rest of the people that we know, hey, don't call Clint and don't talk to him about it because he told me he was going to do this and he never followed through. Can't trust him. And then finally, we become aggressive people. And aggressive communication in dealing with people is not physically aggressive. Aggressive people are opposite of passive people. What aggressive people think is, hey, my needs are more important than your needs. So when my friend calls me on the phone and asks me the same question to help him move his office, what I do is say, well, you know what I got going on? I got this and this and this happening. There's no way I can help you. How dare you call me and help? want me to help you? And they're blowing him out of the water. Not a great way to be with people. Not a great way to have things happen. <laughs> Again, my friend doesn't trust me, and he's upset and angry, and I haven't helped him at all. And last, the most healthiest way to be with people is what we call assertiveness. Assertiveness is a really simple principle to practice. Assertiveness is three steps. A, B, C, one, two, three. Whatever is the easiest, simplest way for you to think about it. You know, the A, or the first part of this is I recognize how somebody, what else somebody else needs. I recognize what's going on with them. And I say that out loud to them. So in my example that I give you, my friend calls, he's got a move, he's in an alert, and I say that out loud to him over the phone or face-to-face. Hey, man, I know you've been busy, and it sounds like you've got yourself in a real difficult position. You really need somebody to help you. And I say those needs out loud to him. Then part two, step two, step B is I say what I need. Hey, but I can't help you because tomorrow I've got a full slate of clients. I got to get my son from school. You know, Thursday and Friday is my anniversary. I've taken off the rest of the week to be with my wife. There's just no, you know, and those are the things that are happening for me. So A, I've told him and listened to him and told him I'm listening to him and made sure I got his needs right. I've told him my needs. Then C is based on what you need and what I need, here's what I can offer you. C, I can't help you. So what most people say to me at this point sitting in my office is, oh, Clint, I don't know if I can do that because now they're going to be disappointed. And I say, that's right. They're going to be disappointed. They may be upset. They may be angry. They may say, hey, that's cool. I'll ask somebody else. But being assertive like that means a couple of things. Number one, I'm being honest. Number two, I haven't let my friend left my friend in a bad position. Now he can find somebody else to help him move. He can call for other different people. He knows what I can do, what I can offer, and what I can give him. And I don't have to feel obligated to help somebody but even when I'm overwhelmed and I have too much going on. And then do that and feel angry and resentful about it. Being assertive also means I get to negotiate. I get to say, hey, I get you, man, you forgot and you've been busy. And man, you haven't asked anybody and you're asking me the last minute. And man, you're in a position you're just kind of stuck. Hey, I got clients all day tomorrow. I got to get my son from school. It's my anniversary this weekend. Hey, but I'm willing to set aside Wednesday. I think I can get somebody to get my son and I'll come help you then. Will that help? Or, hey, if you can wait till Saturday, I don't know when you got to move, but if you, if you can wait till Saturday this weekend, I can help you then. I get to negotiate with him. The biggest thing about being assertive is I'm being honest with people, and people get to see that I'm being honest with them. And I don't have to take responsibility. Of course he's disappointed or frustrated. Oh, man, really? You can't help me? But if I keep my boundaries and limits, what we talked about about five or ten minutes ago, I recognize I'm not responsible for how he feels. He gets to decide how he feels. He gets to be mad and angry, frustrated, upset. 
he gets to recognize, oh, yeah, that's what Clint needs, and it's, it's all right, and I'll find somebody else. It's no big problem. But he chooses how he feels. He gets to choose what he believes about what I just told him. And being assertive is important because people get to recognize my needs. Because the first step in why you listen to somebody and say, hey, I know this is what you need, is that it gives them a better chance to hear you. Because once you hear somebody, they get to say to themselves, okay, they heard me. Oh, yeah, I guess I get to hear them. And the chances of them being angry or disappointed go way down. Not always. Not every time. But you're not no longer responsible for that. Never were to begin with. And that's the importance of boundaries and limits and the importance of being assertive. Because I get to recognize what somebody needs. You know, some people, we have a really hard time with this because we say, yeah, your friend's got to move, Clint. If you're a really good Christian, if you're a really spiritual person, you would set aside your needs. This is what Jesus did. Didn't Jesus do that? He went and set aside his needs to make sure everybody was okay. And I say, no. No, he didn't. My example of this is in, I think it's chapter, it's Matthew 19, and I think you can find it in a lot of different places in the Bible. Um, is when the rich young ruler comes to Jesus. And the rich young man comes to Jesus and says, hey, I want to follow you and your disciples. And Jesus says, hey, have you followed all the commandments? And the, and the man says, of course I followed all the commandments. And Jesus says, that's wonderful, that's great. Then what you need to do is go sell all your possessions, sell everything you have, give it all to the poor, and then you can come and follow me. But the man heard this, didn't like it, got upset, angry, sad, whatever version of the Bible you read, he walked away feeling mad and frustrated about this, unwilling to do it. And this is where Jesus turns to his disciples and says, hey, it's just easier for me to get a camel through the eye of a needle than a rich man to go to heaven. And we all know the power of that story and the lesson there is that your stuff's not that important and it really doesn't matter your stuff because when you die, you don't take it with you anyway. And I say that's exactly the, <clears throat> the uh, lesson of that story. But also look at what didn't happen. And what didn't happen there was Jesus, it's not recorded, Jesus didn't chase the guy down and pull him by his shirt sleeve and say, listen, 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 listen. You've got to understand that your stuff's not important. you got to come with me and you got to go sell it. And I've got to convince you that heaven or this is more important than your stuff and your stuff doesn't matter. You're not going to find happiness there. And, da, 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 and on and on and on Jesus went. No, he just let him go. And Jesus didn't turn his disciples and say, oh, all right, guys, <clears throat> let's go set up a yard sale for this guy. And let's do it for him. And let's make sure he can sell all this stuff. And then we'll take all of the money that we make from that yard sale and we'll go give it to the poor and he can come with us. Nope. Jesus just said, let him go. Matter of fact, what Jesus, I think, said is he looks at his disciples and says, it's just easy for me to do the impossible, get a camel through the eye of a needle, than it is for me to change somebody who's not willing to change. Here's Jesus keeping boundaries and limits. That young man is free to believe whatever he wants to believe and feel however he wants to feel and think however he wants to think. And Jesus clearly says, that's not my responsibility. Jesus says, I can't change him. That's his decision. Jesus is assertive. He says, hey, I hear you. What do you want to do? You want to come with me? I think that's great that you want to come with me. And here's what you need to do that. And here's what I require of you. So A, hey, I know you want to come and that's something you really want to do. B, hey, here's what I need from you. So C, here's the decision you need to make and the guy doesn't willing to do it. And why is that important? Well, I'd like to take the story a little further and I'm going to wonder, what would happen if Jesus did it for him? If Jesus crosses limits, doesn't keep good boundaries, 
and does it for this guy and has this guy come with him. What happens? You know, my vision of this is here's this man who once had a lot of money who wasn't really willing to do this yet, but is kind of forced to do this by Jesus because Jesus crosses boundaries and makes him do it. You know, how we do with our kids or our spouses or our friends or our coworkers. We make them do something. We force them to do it. We convince them to do it. We do it for them. Now, Jesus now has this rich young man walking around with him complaining. Why we got to walk everywhere? Can't we rent some donkeys or buy some horses or do something like that? Or can't we get something to ride in? Why we sleep on the ground every night? Can't we get a hotel room? You know, if we had money and we did, we could sleep in the bed every night. Why we got to sleep on the ground? Why are we sleeping here? And Jesus just knew that he couldn't cross, let somebody cross his limits like that. To have somebody who's going to complain and be upset and frustrated the whole time with him. Jesus said, no, I have to keep my limits. I have to let this man make a decision on his own. Because if I don't, oh, now I'm angry and I'm frustrated and I'm resentful and I'm mad at this guy and oh, I'm getting passive aggressive now and eventually I get aggressive and I yell and I scream at this guy and Jesus says, I just can't do that. He's got to make his own decision. So I want you to remember that today as you go forth and as you listen to this podcast. Boundaries limits are important. You know, I had somebody ask me once, but that's so hard because aren't we supposed to help people? And I say yes when they're ready for it, just as Jesus did. We can have compassion, and compassion isn't fixing people. I love the definition of compassion I heard from a Buddhist monk. His definition was, compassion is I just recognize how somebody else suffers. And that was it. It's not trying to fix it or change it or make it different or anything. It's just saying, hey, I recognize how you suffer. Jesus recognized how this young man suffered. He wanted to come with him. He knew the trappings of wealth were not going to make him happy. He knew Jesus had something and the disciples had something he wanted, but he wasn't ready. And Jesus knew that this guy was suffering and suffering in the sense of maybe not really happy and knew there's something else there better for him. And Jesus had compassion. And in the Bible, over and over again, it says Jesus had compassion. Jesus saw them and had compassion. Jesus saw them and had compassion. And a lot of times Jesus does nothing. Many times he does do something, but sometimes he does nothing. So you can have compassion for people and feel for them and understand how they suffer. And you can say, hey, I see you suffering over there. I see that what you're going through. And Hey, here's how I can be helpful. Hey, here's what I need and here's what I can do for you. And that person has to decide to allow you in. You know, I can see how my friend suffers. He waited to the last minute. He's, he's, he, he waited. He got busy. He didn't ask anybody. And how I can see how he suffers. I can recognize, hey, man, you've been in this tight spot. And then I can say, but here's what's going on with me. And I can have compassion for that. But it doesn't always mean I have to fix it despite the things I need. It doesn't make me unloving or unkind. As a matter of fact, it makes me sometimes very loving and very kind to allow people to figure out what they need to do. To still be supportive and helpful and listening and caring. But it's not always my responsibility to fix everything about what's going on with everybody. So I hope you learned something today. I hope this was productive and helpful for you. I look forward to seeing you again soon. I'll start doing these weekly again. Uh, please give me some feedback if it's helpful for you on Facebook or Twitter or um, wherever you hear this podcast on Podbean. And let me know if it's been helpful to you. Um, that would encourage me to keep it going every week. I really appreciate that. Um, have a great, great day. Talk to you soon. Namaste.